welcome. You're listening to the podcast of First Church in Vacaville, California, Pastor Timothy Wisnett. We are so glad and honored that you would join us today, and we pray that this message you're listening to is a blessing to your day. We want to invite you to visit us online at firstchurch.app to get connected with us and learn about our service times. We hope to see you at a service or a special event sometime soon. Amen. Let's open our Bibles and get into the Word of the Lord. We're going to read our two key scriptures for this series in the book of excuse me, the book of Isaiah 35 and Hebrews 12. Now we have been in for some months on the series, the way of holiness, and we've taken about a week, uh, excuse me, about a month off, and uh, we're picking back up on it. And we talked about uh, the spirit of holiness for quite some time, and then we talked on the setting of a standard and now we're moving into another aspect of the series where we are going to talk about uh, be not conformed amen and so we're going to talk about being anti-conformist amen praise god and so we're going to talk about being conformed to the lord and not to the world amen and so let's key off of our major scriptures here isaiah 35 and 8 and in highways shall be there in a way and it shall be called the way of holiness the unclean shall not pass over, but it shall be for those. The wayfaring man, though fools, shall not err therein. Amen. Brother Kent, good to see you on the drums, man. Great job. Man. I love seeing the bench get deeper. Amen. That's always a good thing. Praise God. Amen. Uh, Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 14 says, Follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. Amen. So that, so if the Bible's going to make a declaration that I have to have something to see the Lord, I want to know what that is. And I don't want to just know what it is. I want, I want to, I want it to be defined to me. You know, I don't want any ambiguity in it. Tell me what it is. I want to know what it is. So peace with all men and holiness without which uh, no man shall see the Lord. And for this particular portion that we're going to be on for a few weeks, uh, we're going to be keying off of Romans 12 and 2. This will be your key scripture verse for this particular lesson. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So in Romans 12 and 2, that first phrase is, and be not conformed to this world. Amen. Be not conformed to this world. And we're going to talk about that be not conformed in our way of holiness series tonight. Amen. Let's pray and ask the Lord to help us before we're seated. Lord, we thank you for your great presence, for the liberty, for the joy, for the peace and the freedom that we feel. Lord, I pray that you would open our understanding more than anything, that it not be rhetoric or that it not just be protocol that we go through, but give us revelation and give us insight to your word. Lord, help me to push past the barriers of my mind and, and the resistance of even my flesh to press on into your presence. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. Talking about for weeks, uh, we've been talking about for months. We've been talking about the way of 
holiness and how important it is that, that we find this way. Now, if, if the Bible says, and it does, that we need something to see God, meaning see God that is in eternity, I want to know what it takes to see the Lord. Amen. And so we have kind of premised everything in this Bible study off of that idea, um, kind of a two-pronged idea. One is that there is a way called holiness, and we need to find that way. And when we find that way, we need to walk in that way. And then two is that um, it says, without which no man shall see the Lord. So finding that which is the witch, W-H-I-C-H, that we might be able to see the Lord. Amen. And so it's important that you note, and and I'm not going to take a lot of time to reiterate this uh, because I understand that, that, you know, I I brag on you behind your back all the time, so I just brag on you to your face. I get this. This is a word church. This is a deep word church. You know, this isn't, you know, and you guys, I know y'all are retaining this and all, but I just want to kind of bring you up, kind of back up to speed that we've talked about that oftentimes, uh, not oftentimes, it literally is that the church world is counterculture to society. And it always has been. It's always been counterculture, whether whether it was in um, ancient times or it were in the dark ages, middle ages, medieval times, uh, through the industrial revolution into modern society that we have now. Is it, is it good to go? Awesome. The, the Lord knew this was going to be so great the mic couldn't handle it. Amen. Got me on me. There we go. And, and, and so we talked about that. So one of the things that I've spent, uh, I can't even remember when we started this series. Was it back in April or end of March? Is getting us to understand outside of the narrow framework of, and I'm saying it loosely, modern Christianity, that God is always designed and, and intended for his people to be unlike people who were not his people. I know that's profound. Let's take a minute and swallow and breathe. I know that was just, wow. So God intends for his people to be unlike people that are not his people. And so the whole word of God is bringing us through that process of understanding that if I am his, I cannot be theirs. And if I'm theirs, I cannot be his because the Bible says God is a jealous God, right? And, and, and so there, there's no fence straddling. There, there's no, well, I'm a weekend, you know, I'm a weekend Christian. You know, every weekend, two weeks out of the month, you know, I'll give the, it's this all-in type thing, right? And, and so it's a lifestyle you live because being a Christian is not what you do on Sunday and Wednesday. Being a Christian is, it's, it's not what you do, it's, it's who you are. Amen. And, and, uh, and the infamous words of Popeye, he said, I is what I is, and I be's what I be. Yuck, 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 right? So you've got to understand. <laughs> you got to understand that, that being a Christian is who you are. It's got to become who you are. And in becoming a Christian, in walking in the word of God, you will find, I'm going to talk about this in greater detail in just a moment, but we have began to go through the word of God to understand that God wants us to be counterculture in those things that are against his culture. 
we talked about this. Like, you know, if, if, if the culture is, you know, you know, one Friday night a month, we all get together and stab somebody you don't like, okay? We're counterculture. Right? If, if, if the culture is, you know, you, 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 you get drunk and you beat animals to death, okay, we're counterculture. Whatever is against the word of God, we go with the word of God. Now, that's, that's, a, uh, that's a very lost thing. And up until about 50 years ago, this was universally accepted among all Christians. And then about 50 years ago, the tail end of the uh, hippie revolution and uh, the beatniks and then, uh, and then the, the Jesus people revolution. Some of y'all were alive during the Jesus people stuff. Then all of a sudden it started changing and they realized you could commercialize the gospel. In other words, take what the world enjoys, slap a cross on it and call it Christianity. And there's always been an element of that, but, but that's when Christianity really began to be commercialized. Then you push it into the 70s and the late 70s. You, you, you start seeing it go from sincere, what was intended to be sincere by uh, maybe men like Billy Graham. Uh, then people caught a hold of that and said, well, you can get the superstar complex. of, of And they, they just became, um, I'm trying to find a polite word here, um, well, they just became soul hustlers, right? They, that, that's all they were, ecclesiastical pimps. That's it. They're just putting on a show. That, that, that's all it was. And then they brought that to national television in the Jim Baker and the Jimmy Swaggards, and they brought that. And then, and then church became a production, right? And so, so as that moved through the, the TBN and the Daystar and the different networks, then it got to be where we're just adapting um, the world to the message of the cross, which is like trying to find dry water. It's like trying to find dry water. It's, it's, it's the antithesis of what it's supposed to be. You cannot have a worldly cross, right? You cannot have a worldly cross, and you cannot have a crossly world. They don't mix. It, it doesn't mix like trying to find, you know, a dark sun. It, it just doesn't work. And so the, the church over the last 50 years, say the church Christianity over the last 50 years, has done its best to pull in whatever is culturally acceptable because to them, see, what we did is we went to Madison Avenue and we tried to bring in advertising into the church to make it more palatable. And uh, well, I'm just, I'm already in it. Let me just roll up my britches and keep walking a little while. This is why most churches don't have very men, many men in them. Most churches are geared toward the 30, 40 something year old mom with two or three kids. And a lot of men don't feel comfortable in church. It's, it used to be that if there was a woman on the pew, there was a man right beside her. And the kids were right beside them. But the church has been, and please don't take this the wrong way. I, I'm not trying to, well, you're going to take it how you're going to take it. I can't help it. But understand, it's not the way you're going to take it. I'm trying to be preemptive here. I'm trying to inoculate you from the fact that I understand that people can get offended by this. But one of the problem is, is the church has become feminized. Now, the church is feminine because it is the bride of Christ. 
but it's become feminized to where men don't feel comfortable in the church anymore. And I'm saying, now I'm using that term loosely, okay? And so there's a deficit, right? And that's why there's like, you know, five available women to one available man in the church, right? And they, they have MMA fights in the lobby over who's going to get to teach a Bible study. To <laughs> and you go, seriously, and God bless them, I think singles conferences are awesome, but it's like 95% women at the singles conference. And I feel bad for the seven men that showed up among the thousand women because, I mean... This guy's just Bubba on the street, but he walks in and he's Brad Pitt at a single conference, right? <laughs> you know, outside the church, he's a two. Inside the church, he's a 10, right? Because the, the ratio <laughs> kind of swung a little bit, right? <laughs> Am I telling the truth? I'm, I'm trying to do it with a smile, all right? And so men have not felt, because the church has just become commercialized. The church has just become gap with a pulpit. You know, it, it, it's, it's become Gap is a clothing store for young people. I, I, I stopped shopping there years ago just because it's, it's, it's tailored more for young people. If you can pull it off, pull it off. I'm, you, you know what I'm saying. It's become, it's become aeropostle with a pulpit. And that's not what God intended. Doesn't mean that the church cannot be appealing. Now, that's the wrong message too. But the you know, I've had people say, well, uh, you know, they're, they're against everything. You know, they're against having a screen you can read the words off of. They're against electric instruments. Well, bless God, back in the day, they didn't. Well, they didn't have air conditioner either, and I'm glad for that. <laughs> and so what, what you've got to do is just balance that and say the message is sacred. The methods are not, but the message is. So you can change methods, but you can change methods without compromising the message. And that's the fine line we have to walk is can I maintain the integrity of the message while still being able to relate to people in the method? Amen. And so, and so now let me fast forward because I spent about four minutes too long on that to say that the church um, has always been separate from the world. Uh, matter of fact, Dr. Bernard just put out a phenomenal video the other day on this, and he actually talked about this for a few minutes, how that stands that we take, that we have taken <laughs> since the apostles, um, that we still hold to, are seen as extremist views, but they have always been universally accepted among all denominations until 50 years ago. And so what is the problem? Did the Bible all of a sudden become wrong? Or did the appetites change? Did the appetite change? I'll take a slice of Jesus with a whole lot of world. And the Bible said, if any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Now, I didn't write that. James wrote that. Or John, you, you got to take it up with them, not me. I'm just the mailman. And so we, we've got, we got to re remember that it may sound revolutionary to us because the climate of the church world in the Western world has become so polluted with the appetite of sin and carnality that you seem to be an extremist if you just believe the word. Amen? I mean, you're watching that happen in society. I just read a poll. and uh, keep, me, keep me in line. I just read a poll 
that uh, less than 40% of Gen Z are actually proud to be an American. That's stunning. See, now it's, we have moved the line so far that you get all kinds of labels if you just, I'm, I'm proud to be an American. And most of the people that aren't proud to be American have never went anywhere. Now, it's really easy to say how bad it is until you've went where it's actually bad. <laughs> yeah, it's so bad, people are dying to get in, right? That's neither here nor there. I'm not on either campaign and on either party, believe me. And, and so, uh, so, that, so they move the line to say, well, if you just are proud of being American, then you must be one of these things, you know, and you, you start listing the phobes and the isms, Right? In the church, it's happened. Well, if you just hold on to what the Word of God teaches and you don't move from what the Word of God teaches, well, then you just start filling in the blank of what you are. So it's not that God's Word has changed. It's that the culture has changed so much that even the fundamentals of God's Word are extreme and radical to people. And so let me borrow a page from Carmen circa 1988. I'm radically saved, I guess, right? I guess it's full, come full circle because I believe this. I believe the Bible. And they said, well, you're, you're a fundamentalist. Well, I, I guess I'm a fundamentalist, and I fundamentally believe the Bible. And we'll hold on to it, right? And, and so that's, that's, don't let people uh, uh, try to, it, listen, if you're afraid of what people will call you, you are in the wrong generation. If you worry about, what are people going to think about me if I say, if I, if I believe, if I do that? If you're worried about that, it's going to be a long, miserable life for you. You've got to start saying, I only care what he thinks of me. And I can do that with love. I can do that with compassion. Amen. And, and, and so there's been a great battle between the forces of righteousness and the forces of evil that has existed uh, since the time of humanity's fall in the garden with Adam and Eve. Now every child is born with the Adamic nature and has not only a tendency to sin, but a desire of sin. I've talked about this many, many, many times. And that's why you don't teach children how to lie. It's the most natural thing they do. It really is. You have to teach a child how to tell the truth. You don't have to teach a child how to be selfish, it's cute. I, I watched when, when Addie was little, and then even before she was born, I would watch these cute little big old bows in their hair, these dainty little girls, just so cute. They got their little baby, you know, they're like two, and they got their little baby doll, and they're walking around, and they're just so sweet. They, oh, man, they're as cute as a button. Look at them. They're perfect. And then wait till they get around another two or three-year-olds. And one of them wants to pet their little baby doll. <laughs> they don't even talk good in attitude starts. And they're over there swatting each other and, and because it's in them. You have, to, you have to teach them to share, right? They look cute, curly hair, little bow, dainty, just cute looker. But I'm going to tell you something. We are all born with this nature. We are all born with this nature that if you don't keep it on the, if you don't keep it on the altar, it will rise up and go back back to its Adamic nature. Amen. 
And, and so we may remain quite aware of this fact until we are converted and we begin to live for God. Before experiencing the new birth, we all drift downstream away from God. But when we repent, we make an about face, and instead of drifting downstream, we start swimming upstream. We begin to find ourselves in the midst of a tremendous struggle. So anybody that said, give your life to Christ so your life will be easy, lied to you. That's one of the biggest problems we have with modern evangelism today and, and, and the megachurch movement is. And the Lord helped one day, I guess, you know, Lord grow us to a megachurch. I'm okay with that. But not at the cost of lying on Jesus. And I said, well, give your life to the Lord and he'll make your enemies your friends. And where does he say that? He says, follow me, they'll hate you for my name's sake. And we don't preach that anymore. You know, Olstein ain't putting that in his book. That won't collect money on TBN. They're not going to teach you that. But if you follow him, that doesn't mean we follow Jesus and say, well, hate me, just hate me, I hate you too. No, it means you follow Jesus and understand that you're never going to be good enough for some people to love you. Guess what? You're not good enough for some people to love you if you're drunk. So if people ain't going to love me, just let them not love me while I'm with Jesus, amen, because I know he loves me. And so when you are in sin, you're, you're, you're drifting downstream. You're, you're, you're going with the flow, right? You're just, you're just drifting in this wide stream. It's just taking you down. It's, it's, and, and there's no struggle. It's amazing because I see people live for God. They give their life to Christ, and they, they start living right, start living toward the Bible, and they, they'll come to me and say, Pastor, man, why am I fighting? I didn't fight like this when I was a sinner. It's because you were going with the flow. Oh, and let's not act like everything was hunky-dory before the cross anyway. Yeah. We tend to romanticize that B.C., that before Christ, you know. Well, back then, I was the cat's meow. No, you're more like the choking canary in the cat's mouth. We weren't. We kind of glorify what we were back then, right? And how good it was. It, I mean, it was good. It was, it was good. Broke all the time, bad relationship after bad relationship, miserable feeling of emptiness and aimless, fear of eternity. Hey, I'm going to tell you, my worst day serving God is better than my best day when I was in sin. Amen. And so you're going, you're going downstream. You're going downstream, and, and there's, there's no resistance. Uh, I've made an observation. This is not scientific, but I've made an observation. A lot of cities, not all cities, but in a lot of cities, uh, the, the, um, the Bible says broad is the road that leads to destruction. In a lot of cities, not all of them, but the place where things that are criminal that are done, the drugs, the red light district, all that is either, a lot of times it's either near or on Broad Street. Think about it. Now, some of you are going, that's not true because I know a town. It's not Broad Street. It's Green Street. Well, then I'm not talking about that town. I'm just telling you I've traveled a lot, and I've known that in some of the towns I go to, you go, and you're not even looking for it. Just say, you go to Broad Street and Hayden Wright, and you get on Broad Street, and you're like, woo. I just find it pretty neat, sadly, that a lot of broad streets are, are, are where the drugs are being dealt, and all, especially in Texarkana where I'm from, broad street, man, it's 30 feet off the street in either direction. You, you got whatever you want. And, and, and so 
The Bible says broad is the road that leads to truth. Narrow is the way that leads to God. And few there be that find. So you're in this broad path. Everybody, you're all going the same direction. Just drifting, right? Just It's easy. You ever drifted in a river? It's easy. You ever try to swim upstream? Very difficult. And not only that, but... Now, I, I'm from the South. I'm from the buckle of the Bible Belt. Some might say the back pocket, but I'm somewhere there. <laughs> and, you know, Northern California people, and, and I guess I'm one of them now. I've been here 23 years. Um, Y'all are snobbish about water. <laughs> I remember telling people, I'm going to go up to Berryessa and swim, and they look at me and go, Berryessa? Oh, it's dirty. You want to see dirty? Now come on down where I live. Let me show you. You want to see that water. You can only see about four or five feet underwater. Where I'm from, that's millionaire acre right there because we, we don't have, what's the visibility where you're from? Th that word doesn't even go in the same sentence with water. We have rivers called sulfur river because it smells like sulfur because it's got sulfur. We got rivers called Red River. And you can't see through that water. Am I telling the truth, Sister Jane? People talk about Barry S. is not clean. You wouldn't even drive over the bridges of the rivers we have. <laughs> and see, the thing is, like where Brother Chase is and all the rivers up there, they're clear. They're, they're cl a lot cleaner. Because why? Because Iowa's a lot closer to the headwaters of the Great Lakes, of the, of the Mississippi River. And the closer you get to the headwaters or its source, the cleaner and the clearer the rivers are. By the time they get down to Texas and Arkansas, Louisiana, and from where I'm from in Oklahoma, you can't see anymore because they picked up 1,500 miles of dirt. And it, you can't see under the water. You go under that water, you better know which way is up because you're not going to open up your eyes and see anything. I'm not, I am not lying. You drop in the water and start swimming down. Keep your eyes open. It's, it's as black as night under that water. Why? Because the further away you get from the water, the waterhead, the, from the headwaters, from the source, the dirtier and the more polluted it becomes. So when you start living for Christ, you turn around and you are in that murky water that is confusing because you can't make head nor tails out anything. And all of a sudden, you turn around and you start swimming upstream. And everybody else is ridiculing you. What are you doing? Just, hey, go with the flow. Hold on to my raft. Hey, let's just keep going. To I can't. I've chosen a new direction. He didn't put me in a new river. He says, swim. Where am I swimming to? I'm swimming to the source. Everybody else is getting, floating away from the source. The source is God. I'm swimming back to the source and the longer I swim against the current, the clearer the water's going to get because I'm getting back to the source. And, and that's why you can look around at, at these precious veterans of the cross, these gray-haired warriors of the cross. They've been living for God 30, 40, 50, 60 years. And their testimony is this. It just gets sweeter and sweeter as the day. I just love Jesus more today than I did yesterday. I'm having, I'm having a better time living for God now than I did in my 20s. And I, you want to know why? Because when they were saved in their 20s, they were in the mud of the Mississippi. But now that they're in their 70s and they've been treading water a long time... 
now they're somewhere up around Kansas City or, or they're, now they're somewhere up around Omaha and the water's getting a lot clearer up there. But the moment you let go, you start drifting back. You got to swim against the current. Oh, hallelujah. It's a dangerous thing to go with the flow. And you got to know that the, that the designation of the current that's your carnal nature is designed to kill you physically and spiritually. Tragically, a couple of months ago, um, my, my um, as you know, my favorite college team, the Razorbacks, our, our quarterback drowned in Florida. Uh, it was a tragedy. He was 35 years old. He was an NFL quarterback, played for the Patriots, the Ravens, the Texans, and set all kinds of records because he went to Florida and he didn't pay attention to the signs on the beach. They were having storms. And some of you may have seen the pictures. They took aerial pictures of the beaches around Destin. It was like every 100 yards, there were major rip currents coming off the, off the beach. And he got caught in one, and he's six foot seven, and a picture of health, and he drowned. Three months before that, some of you may remember the story of Peyton Hillis. He was a former Razorback running back, played for the Browns and the Denver Broncos as a running back. His niece and his son got caught in a rip current just two miles from where the quarterback would drown a few months later. And they got caught in a rip current. He got out there. He was able to save them. And he was able to get himself out of the water. But he collapsed, literally collapsed dead on the beach after he rescued his son and niece and was on a ventilator for 10 days. And miraculously, he's alive. He's been on all the, you know, circulating on all the shows and, you know, and, and, and all this stuff. Now, I'm saying that to say that a rip current is very dangerous because they're real subtle. And uh, every year around summertime, I sit down with my daughter. You may think I'm extreme, and that's fine, but I've done this since she was a little bitty girl. And I sit down, and I open up YouTube, and we look at the beaches, and I show her videos of what a rip current looks like. Because I want her, if we're going to go to the beach, and we don't go to the beach very much, but if we do, I want her to be able to recognize what a rip current is before she gets in the water. Because you only need to be about... You don't need to be about that deep for it to pull you out and start dragging you out to the ocean. And so I believe you can't be overprepared for these things. So since she was real little, I'll sit her down, especially if I know we're going to the beach, but basically every summer, if we might just happen to go, I'll sit her down and say, okay, Addie, this is what a rip current looks like. Now, I'm not trying to do that to keep her out of the ocean and to scare her. There's plenty of things I can scare her with about the ocean. I don't like swimming in the ocean. You want to know why? Because when I was about six years old, they had this movie. And every time I get in the water, I hear, I don't even go underwater in the bathtub because I hear, I ain't kidding. We were out tubing. All, you know, we all went out to Berryessa, a group of us, and we were out on the boats and having a good time. And when I jumped off the boat into the water to get on the tube and I went underwater, I am telling you, think I'm lying. That's fine. I went underwater and I heard, and you may think I'm crazy. That's just ridiculous. Why you be scared of a shark in fresh water? I didn't used to be scared of sharks in fresh water until about a year ago. I heard about a bull shark that bit somebody near Iowa. Because they can live six months in fresh water. So if you don't have enough things to be paranoid about, welcome to my world. And I realize that as soon as I jump in the ocean, there is a bright neon buffet sign flashing over me. Right? And I just know Jaws are swimming by going, white meat. 
But I want her, to, you know, I, I want her, I want her to, to, to be safe. You know, if we're going to go to the beach, I want to recognize what a rip current is. And so from the day she started swimming, about four years old, she got to swim where she could swim pretty good on her own. And, and the one thing, I, it doesn't matter what we do, if we go hiking, we go fishing, we go boating, we go, one thing I'm always trying to tell her to iterate, reiterate to her is the first rule you cannot do is panic. Panic what? Huh? It kills you. No matter what happens, take a breath, figure it out before you do something next. Because most people, it's not the accident that kills them, it's their reaction to it. So you can take a breath. This works in living for God. Don't react to everything quickly. Be still and see the salvation of the Lord sometimes. Too many times we try to fight our own battles. Just let the Lord do it. It's his battle anyway. And secondly, I told now I said, now, Addie, now, if you get caught in a rip current, they're survivable. You don't have to die. But most people, if not all that die in a rip current, now they're only going to take you for, it's usually between 50 yards, maybe three, 400 yards, and that's about it. It's rare that they go past a quarter of a mile. Now, I'm more scared of what's under the current than I am the current. Now, years ago, back when I was a teenager, um, I went to a lifeguard school because I wanted to work as a lifeguard at this place called Pebble Beach. Not what you're thinking. It sounds, that's how we do things in the South. We call it something really nice, like Crystal River. We actually have a water park called Crystal River. So I, I worked at Pebble Beach as a lifeguard for a summer. Now, what was Pebble Beach? Literally, it was a cow pond with three diving boards. I'm not exaggerating. It's a crap. Cow pond. You couldn't see under the water. That water is brown and brackish. It's, it's strong coffee. And, but went through these life This is the thing you taught us. So one of the things I learned way back then is don't panic. And so I told Adius, now if you get caught in a rip current, first, don't panic. Number two, don't swim to the beach. Swim sideways. Eventually, it's going to let you out. But people that drown in rip currents, it's not because they pulled them down. It's because they fight against it and try to get back to the shore because they're panicked. But if you'll just, I've told her, I said, the beach is here. Swim that way or swim that way. You can even swim that way. Don't swim that way. Eventually, it's going to let go of you. You're going to come out of it. You can swim back to shore and just thank the Lord for a free ride in the ocean. You know, you, you can survive it. It's not a big deal, right? What do we do? in our existence with God, when we start turning around and swimming upstream, we panic because not everybody's going in that direction. All of a sudden, you're not doing things you used to do. Or the Holy Spirit is beginning to convict you of things that you used to say, do, watch, all these kind of different things. And the Holy Spirit starts going, uh-uh. And you go, oh, what's wrong? Everybody else doing Everybody else doing You just got to keep swimming. And keep confidence that God has you going in the right direction. Can you say amen? Amen. amen. So when we make an about face, we repent. So we're not drifting downstream anymore. We are swimming upstream. And this is why you need the power of the Holy Ghost in your life. Because you can't swim upstream by means of religion or mental ascent or just being a good person. You need the power of the Holy Spirit in your life to help you swim upstream. It gives you the power, right? It's the Holy Spirit is the spinach to Popeye, right? 
Remember the old Popeye cartoons? He'd eat that can of spinach. And, you know, he'd, and he'd, take, and he'd swim like up, right? That's kind of like, kind of like, don't leave here and say, well, pastor said the Holy Ghost is spinach. I'm saying it's like, it's a parable, okay? It's like in the, the kingdom of God is likened unto a spinach can, amen? The Holy Ghost gives you the power to swim against the current because, because you can't do it on your own. As a matter of fact, for thousands of years, they tried it through the law of Moses, and they all drowned trying to get back to God through the law. They couldn't do it. So Jesus came and empowered us with his spirit and said, now, see, see, see the law of Moses, what it tried to do was help, but it didn't. And you were like trying to swim with a brick around your neck upstream. Now the power of his spirit gets in us through the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And now you can swim up against it and make progress. Amen. Now the apostle Paul described this battle between the flesh and the spirit in the seventh chapter of his letter to the Romans. He also explained the result of living after the desires of the flesh and being carnally minded. Such a life, he said, ends in spiritual death. In Romans 8 and 6 through 7, he said to be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace because the carnal mind is enmity against God. It's the enemy of God. A person cannot travel two directions at the same time. I know that's shocking. This is just profound physics you're learning, right? You can't travel in two directions at one time. Now, Brother John tried that on Memorial Day when he fell off the raft. <laughs> Now, I didn't say that, and Brother John came up to me last night after church. He goes, Pastor, I tried to go two directions at once. And I said, can I use that? And he said, yeah. <laughs> so the raft, the tube went one way, the boat was going the other, and he thought he could hold on by his own might, and it snapped his arm in three places. So, so maybe, yeah, that's a good example. Yeah, if you try to do it on your own. <laughs> and, and so you can't go two directions at one time. Right? You can't do it. So when, when you're traveling north, you can't also be going south. If you're going up, you cannot be going down at the same time. The tri the, listen, the Christian travels upward while others are drifting downward. And because of this, we will find ourselves in real spiritual battles that we cannot fully understand or explain at all times. So I'm in a battle. Are you swimming upstream? Uh-huh. Well, naturally. Your whole existence as a believer is against the current. Amen? I apologize if this is too simple. But this is how it is. You're going to learn that living for anybody that said, now, living for God is easy if you do it with everything you have. But if you try to, if you try to swim with one arm, <laughs> it ain't going to work. It ain't going to work. You've you got to give it everything you have. Matter of fact, they used to say it like this, living for God easy is hard, but living for God hard is easy, right? So you give it everything you got, praise God. Now, there are three principles for which, and I'm not going to go into this too much, and, and um, I'm going to start wrapping it up. I've got the airplane wing tipped. I see the runway. The lights just came on. Coming in for a landing, okay. So there are three forces, if you're taking notes, you're going to want to write this down. There are three forces which oppose the Christian daily. The world, the flesh, and the devil. The world, the flesh, and the devil. The world, the flesh, and the devil. And probably in that order. 
The world as in just your natural environment, things that are around you. Your flesh is really the thing you fight the most, right? See, the devil is, the devil is not omnipresent. He can't be everywhere at the same time. And most of the time I found, not always, but most of the time I found people that say they're fighting the devil are actually fighting themselves. Because the devil's not going to fight somebody that hasn't crucified their flesh. He cannot afford to vacate one place to be in another place to fight somebody who defeats themselves. And I'm, I'm not trying to be mean by that. It's just, look, it happens to me, right? And I found that a lot of people, and, and if you're honest with yourself, you'll, you'll agree with this. A lot of times people aren't fighting the devil, but they're fighting the results of bad decisions they made. And that's not the devil. That's a bad choice. And, and you reap what you sow. Amen. Pastor, I'm fighting the devil at my work. Really? Well, what happened? Well, they're fixing to fire me. Oh, goodness. That's the devil? Yeah, well, what happened before that? I spit on somebody. Well, then that's not the devil. That's your own. And I'm being a little extreme with that. I don't think there's anybody here that spits on their boss. But, but you get what I'm saying. Sometimes the devil's fighting me. I ran out of gas. But you passed nine gas stations with it beeping at you, right? It's not like you look down, had a full tank, two minutes later, it's empty. Now, that would, I would, you know, one of my favorite cartoons, and I wish I would have got it and kept it. And if you ever find it, get it and bring it to me. I want it. It's a cartoon of the devil just sitting over there like on a log. And he's got his head like, and he is sobbing and crying. And God walks by him and says, what's wrong with you? And the devil points at the world. He goes, they're always blaming me for things I never did. Right? A lot of times it's our own bad, our bad decisions we end up, you know, um, this isn't Bible, and the man wasn't a preacher, but, man, he really preached when he said this. One time John Wayne said, <laughs> one time the Duke said, life is hard, but it's harder if you're stupid. So <laughs> it's the truth, folks, all right? Amen. And sometimes I've been spiritually stupid. And I've made things hard for myself. We all, I know nobody here has, but I have. Let me just preach to me and the people that don't come here yet. I've made bad choices sometimes, right? And, and I need to fight through that, not blame it on the devil. But it's okay if I get mad at the devil and just take it out on him anyway. I like what Brother Aber says. If I get a flat tire, I'm five souls, devil. Amen. I'm going to go teach five Bible studies. I'm, I'm, I'm going to wear the devil out to the point if I get a flat tire, he's running alongside my car going. <laughs> How did that tire air up? It was the devil. He didn't want me to have a bad day. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. So those are the three forces that we're fighting, the world, the flesh, and the devil. The world, the flesh, the devil. The world, the flesh, the devil. Those are the currents that we are against on a daily basis. You, you don't get a reprieve from any of them. Some days it's not as intense as others. But the longer you live dead to the flesh, the less impact that it has. These forces will combine together in an attempt to hinder the Christian from living a spiritual and victorious life. 
The devil dominates the world, and the world caters to the desires of the flesh. The secret of victory in living for Christ is dying out to your flesh every day. Paul said, I die daily. And you know what? I know it when I ain't been dead yet. You'll know, you you know, missing one day of not praying, not so much, but about that second or third day, you know it. You know it. Maybe not, you know, maybe you miss your Bible reading for one or two days and it's not a big deal. But man, you hit that fourth, fifth day, it's like, where did this monster come from? You got to put it on the altar, amen? And, the, and, and, and if you do that, the world has no attraction. Or let me just let me rephrase it. The world has less appeal to those who learn to live dead to their flesh. Amen. Uh, uh, the Apostle Paul expressed it this way. He said it like this in his epistle to the Galatians in Galatians 6 and 14. He said, but God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. He said, I, the world is crucified unto me. I have died out to the world. I lost my citizenship to the world. I I'm, I'm, talked about this a few weeks ago. I was preaching on heaven. I'm a citizen of another country now. I belong to another world because this world is not my home anymore. And, and if I'm going to make it to there, I've got to lose my desire for here. Amen. I remember, uh, I remember um, Grandpa was this way, Bishop Price. And uh, to people that aren't spiritual, I had to be careful how I would say this because people who aren't spiritual... I mean, and that includes a lot of people that went to church. You can go to church and not be spiritual. Matter of fact, you can go to church and not be saved. And, but, but he would say, he'd be like, at his 96th birthday, all right, Grandpa, you're going to make it to 100. He'd go, nope. <laughs> and he'd say, well, come on, you're going to get to, he'd, he'd always do this. If you, knew, if you knew Brother Price, you know what I'm talking about. He'd go, ah, <laughs> ah. He'd blow out his candles, you know. Happy birthday. We'd pray, whatever, and go to him afterwards, put my arm around his shoulders. Grandpa, you're three years from 100. You're going you're gonna to hit the 100 mark. He'd go, ah. And, you know, he'd had a stroke, so he couldn't talk well. He'd go, I don't want to go home. I don't want to go home. I, I remember saying that, sharing that to people one time, and somebody said, so he battles depression? I thought, man, you've been going to church 50 years. You're about as dense as a rock. You don't know what this means? I mean, how disassociated from God are we? He's battling depression? No. That's no oppression at all. He was ready to go home. I, me I remember one time he looked at me, Aunt Galen, and, and uh, he just looked at me. I can't, I think, matter of fact, I think we were at Shea So having lunch. And because you're pretty close to heaven from Shea, so I'm just telling you right now, just a right turn and a few hundred feet. 
from that from that crawfish etouffee and fried chicken and collard greens. That's it's pretty close. And and I remember uh, something. He just looked at me and it was that I was talking about. He was probably ninety two or ninety one at the time or something like that. And he just said, he said, I want to go home. He said, he said, uh, I want to see Alice. They've been married what 60, 60 years. He said, I want to go home. I want to see her. Man, see we're we're opposite. Now listen, I don't want you to think you need to walk out here going, man. I wish I die today. I hope I die today. That that's not what I'm talking about. Yeah, I got to balance this. I got to put my disclaimer on there. You know, it's like when they start trying to promote them this new pharmaceutical pill they have, you know, and they're like, it'll make you feel wonderful. Side effects may be suicide, depression, massive casualties, <laughs> killing people with axes and everything else. <laughs> you ever read those side effect labels? Like, Lord have mercy. <laughs> I think I can live with the restless leg syndrome. Three pills and you walk into Buffalo Wild Wings and start going crazy. No, that's okay. So you got to balance it out, right? But he would say, he would say, I want to go home. I, I, I miss her. I miss. We need, we need that awareness that we're temporal creatures to this temporal world. Only, you know, we're made of body, soul, and spirit. Two thirds of us is going to live forever. Only one third is going to be on this spinning rock floating in the universe for about 70 to 99 and a half years if your grandpa because he died at 99 and a half it's temporal some part of us is going to live forever we need to tap into that eternal side of us that is the spirit to where we can say i love people i love what i do i'm not but boy i just can't wait to get to heaven I can't. I remember hearing them old folks get up and testify. Talking about back when you had real testimony service, and when you could have real testimony service before everybody used testimony service to complain about their neighbors and stuff. Remember they used to do prayer requests. Yes, I want you to pray for Sister So and So. She parks too close to my car out there, and if she if she doesn't, God doesn't convict her. I'm gonna start sticking hubba bubba bubble gum under her door handle. You know, we could have good testimony service. And them old folks would always stand up, and they would always say, I can't wait to see Jesus. I'm going home to see Jesus. I can't, if I lay my head down tonight and don't wake up in the morning, I'll be with Jesus, and I'm glad. And, I, and they would always get them and say, I hope Jesus comes back today. I hope Je-. And I'm sitting up there going, uh-uh. I want to drive a truck. <laughs> I was. <y'all> t- <laughs> That's the way I'm thinking. Like, I hope Jesus comes tonight. I'm going, no, no Jesus, hold on, hold on. Hold on, I want to drive. I want to have a driver's license. I want to get married. I want to have some kids. Can you hold off 20, 30 years? But in 20, 30 years down the road, you start hitting your 40s and joints don't quite work like they used to. And you wake up in the morning and you're like, really, where did this pain come from? We're going to have to do surgery. How did I hurt myself? You slept wrong. You, you can get injured sleeping. You, you turn a certain age. And so you're not like, hold on 30 years. You're like, new body? Okay. <laughs> and young people, you're laughing in pity of us old people. But you'll get there if the Lord tarries. Amen. 
we, we need to be tapped into that, 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 that current of another world. Because while the current of life may be dragging us in the opposite direction from the headwaters, the spirit within us is pushing and saying, no, 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 keep swimming. Because one of these days, you're going to cross the locks somewhere in Illinois and you're going to hit the headwaters of where all this thing started. And if I can survive, Brother Chase, if I can survive this muddy river of life, one of these days, maybe there's no coincidence that in heaven there's going to be a crystal river. There's going to be a crystal river, amen. And if I can push through this one of these days, I'm going to live with him forever, Brother Lucas, if you'll come. Amen. And so I need to make sure that I understand that uh, a, a lot of what I'm fighting now, I'm fighting the things that I used to coast in, that, that used to, and by nature, there's going to be a struggle. And listen, in the way of holiness, in the way of holiness, there's going to be resistance because you're trying to be like him and they want you to be like them. I found out often people, the people that were the harshest to me for my decision to follow God wasn't because they hated me. It was because the decisions I made convicted them. Amen. And I don't say that in a boastful way, in a prideful way. When I, when I sold out to the Lord and, and uh, got right with God, and I, maybe I'm, I don't know. It was, it was me. I, I know what I, I, I knew what I knew what I needed to do to be saved, and I knew what I needed to do to stay in relationship with God. Amen. And I, man, I cut off relationships. I mean, there wasn't even a dear John letter. It was just, it was, it was over. Some of those friends I didn't even see in. in for 20 years, 20 plus years until my, my mother's funeral and they came to the funeral home. Hadn't seen them in 20 years. And it wasn't that in the last 15 years I couldn't handle. It was just, I, I had already went a different way. I had a different life. They had a different life. Some of those friends I used to run with. Some of those friends I used to party with. I'll never forget getting phone calls from my brother. Did you hear about Jace? He was killed drinking and driving. Did you hear about this one? He overdosed. Did you hear about this one? These were guys I ran with. And I realized that if I was going to follow Jesus, I was swimming in a different direction from them. And I would have them walk up to me uh, at, at my mom's wake. And they'd come up to me and give me hugs. I, and I'm going to be honest with you, Brother Kurt. I didn't even know how. When I saw them, first of all, I'd see them and look familiar and think, man, who is that old guy coming at me? Oh, we played football together. I was at the store a couple years ago and this, I'm walking into the store. I'm from a little bitty old town. 416 people. Well, now it's 614. They've they, they massive. It's the metropolis. And I'm walking, I'm walking out the door and this woman just staring at me. I mean, she's staring. You know when somebody stares at you very uncomfortably and you're like checking everything? And she's staring at me and she's smiling real big and I'm just thinking, man, who is this old woman staring at me? That's what I'm thinking. And she goes, Tam, it's me. I dated her in high school. (laughs) 
ain't no old woman. She's my age. I'm an old man now, I guess. But I had to cut relationship. I mean, even my best friends in the world, I just, I just, it wasn't even a farewell. It was, it was over. It was over. I knew what their life was and I knew what I didn't want my life to be. And somebody can make a good case. Well, you shouldn't have done that. I guess you could, but I knew I was too weak to try to be in two boats at once because I can't go in two different directions at the same time. And you know what I'd have some of them people do that hug that hug me at my mom's funeral and they'd cry. It's so good to see you. I'm so proud of what you let God do in your life. Some of you told me, you escaped, you got out. We're so thankful you got out. Hey, I'm going to tell you something. It's a good life living for the Lord. It's a good life living for Jesus. And so I made up my mind. I couldn't go in that direction. Amen. Living for God, sometimes you got to let go so you can advance further in living for God. Do I want the affirmation of people or the affirmation of God? So I said all that and I chased all those rabbits to say this, that the life of holiness is not universally accepted because a life of holiness is a Christian life. And, and because it's becoming more and more out of style, even in Christendom, doesn't mean it's wrong. Holiness is still right. The Word of God is still right. Don't let people condemn you for following God's Word. Oh, you think you're better than me. No, it has nothing to do with it. And honestly, they're not saying that because they don't like you. They say that because they're jealous and they know in themselves they're not strong enough to do it. And they lash out at what they fear and what they can't understand. Just pray for them. Stand with me tonight. Amen. I hope you got something out of this. As we're launching into this series and, and this particular one about being not conformed. Next week, next week we're going to pick up and we're going to talk about love, not the world. And we're going to go into loving, to not loving the world, but learning to love the things of God. Amen. And so I, I, I really hope tonight, I really hope tonight that the Lord has spoke to you through his word and encouraged you, challenged and given you insight. Because maybe somebody came in here saying, Pastor, I, I'm just tired swimming against this current. I'm tired. All right. Open a can of spinach. Get in the Holy Ghost and pray through. Stay full. I cannot overemphasize staying filled with the Spirit of God. You can't do it on religion. You can't even do it reading your Bible, just reading your Bible. You need your Bible and you need to be full of the Holy Ghost. It all works together. A life of holiness cannot be walked without the Holy Spirit being in our life and empowering us. And so let me close this before we pray and say to you, you can make it. You can do it. You can live this life.
We have some folks in here that have been serving God over 30s. If you've been serving God longer than 30 years, raise your hand. Raise your hand real high. Look around. Look at all these hands that are up right now. If they made it, you can make it. If you've been serving God longer than 40 years, raise your hand. If they made it, you can make it. 50 years, raise your hand. I'll stop there. Amen. If they made it, you can make it. It's, but they'll tell you it's not always been easy. But it's always been worth it. I'm going to tell you, I've lost friends along the way. Wish I wouldn't have. was never my intention. But I made up my mind. Take this whole world. But give me Jesus. Remember we used to sing that? Take this whole world. Give me Jesus. Take this whole world. Give me Jesus. Take this whole world. But give me Jesus. I won't turn back. I won't turn back. Right? Because really, you don't even got to turn back. If you just stop, the current's going to push you back. Just keep going. Hey, if you feel weak, find a swim buddy. You're going to make it. You can make it. You can make it. God believes in you or he wouldn't have given you his spirit. You can make it. Amen. We ain't got a lot of room around the altars. I can't wait for a new building. We can have big altars. But could you just, for the next 90 seconds, make an altar where you are right now and just lift your hands to heaven and just express to the Lord how thankful you are that he chose you and then if you will gently ask him to renew your strength, he will in this very moment. He'll renew your strength that you can mount up with wings as the eagles. Father, I thank you tonight for the power of your spirit that you have invested in each one of us to become overcomers, that we could overcome the world and that we could overcome sin because you have already done that. Lord, I'm praying for each one that is in this house right now that is swimming against the current of carnality that is swimming against the tide of sin Lord I pray that you would strengthen them right now renew them oh Lord strengthen them oh Lord oh I feel his presence in this place right now I receive that anointing and that strength in the name of Jesus I speak victory to those who are struggling. I speak strength to those who feel weakened by the current. You can make it. You will make it. You're going to survive. Keep your eyes on Jesus and keep swimming. Keep your eyes on Jesus and keep swimming. You're getting closer to the headwaters. You're getting close to the source. Just keep swimming. It won't always be this muddy current. It won't always be this raging tide. Amen. One of these days, you're going to break into cool, clear waters around the throne of Almighty God. But just keep swimming. Thanks again for joining us for this podcast. It's such an honor that we could have you, and we pray you were blessed by the word today. 
We want to stay connected with you. And so give us a follow on our social media pages on Facebook or Instagram. You can find all of those on our website at firstchurch.app. You can also stay connected with us through that uh, website and you can download it as an app on your phone from there. And so until the next time, we pray you're blessed. Have a great week in Jesus name.